spirit. Can you feel the buzz, everyone? I'm Angie Lau here, Editor-in-Chief of Forecast News, and we are recording this session live right now in Paris. Forecast News jumped on a transcontinental flight from Hong Kong for Paris Blockchain Summit, where thousands from around the world have come to share the latest developments in blockchain application, industry movements, trending issues, obstacles, and solutions. So we're at Station F. Now this is the biggest startup campus in the world, and I'm about to moderate a panel on international regulatory cooperation. And on the panel with me will be Caroline Malcolm, who leads OECD Blockchain Policy Center. And in fact, she joins us here right now, because this is how we do it, Caroline. We multitask. As always. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But we do it for greater understanding. But let's talk about OECD. This is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, organization of 36 countries. It dates back to 1961. Now, for you pre-millennials, this was pre-blockchain, pre-internet, pre-smartphones, pre-pretty much everything. Fast forward to 2019. We're in Paris. We're talking about blockchain. And Carolyn is here because she heads the OECD Blockchain Policy Center. When did OECD even realize it needed a blockchain policy center? (laughs) Hi Angie, and thank you very much for the invitation to be here. So the Blockchain Policy Center at the OECD is very, very new development, uh, really launched in January uh, 2019. Um, But it's something that our members have had an interest in for about five years. Uh, Initially, as with most people, their focus was on cryptocurrencies and the policy implications of those. But really in the last 18 months we've seen a much broader interest in how the underlying technology is going to play out and change both industry and what that means for policy implementation but also the possibility to use blockchain as a tool for governments to achieve their own policy goals. And they said Caroline come on (laughs) over had our policy center, and you said, sure, no problem. How did you find yourself in this space? Yeah, look, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm almost as surprised as, as everybody else. My background is as a tax lawyer. Uh-oh, and everybody, uh, tax auditor <laughs> in the house. In the house. We all paid our crypto asset taxes. I'm very pleased to hear that, <laughs> Angie. Very pleased. Uh, the, the numbers don't really bear that out, but we can come back to that. Um, so my my background was to look first at digitalization of the economy quite broadly sure. and what the tax implications were of that. And then uh, beginning to look more specifically at cryptocurrencies, both their tax treatment issues, how you deal with all those gains that you've made and declare them for tax purposes, but also the potential for cryptocurrencies to be used to avoid tax obligations by shifting assets offshore. So that was sort of the genesis. And from there, my interest was really sparked and began to then look more generally at blockchain and specifically at blockchain for tax purposes. And uh, from that, we had the creation of the Blockchain Policy Centers, our members after a two-year project which looked at digitalization generally called Going Digital, um, decided that they wanted to focus really on two issues going forward. And one of those was artificial intelligence the other, I guess, big buzzword at the moment, and of course, blockchain and led to the establishment of the center. So for a lot of those who are listening, probably in two camps Mm. right now. So one, which is, oh, blockchain technology, underlying technology, fantastic. The other group probably like, we are in crypto assets, we have them. This feels really suspicious and scary. This is a cryptocurrency that is utilized so that we can... um, 
remove ourselves from you know the highly the regulated and the, the system. <laughs> so to have to have this guidance from the system point of view feels possibly quite adversarial. Mm. How would you respond to that suspicion? Yeah. No, look, there's definitely, I guess, two angles of the work. On one hand, you have the desire as, uh, as regulators and as policymakers to protect from the downsides. And because uh, applications, whether they be payment tokens, utility tokens, um, or security tokens even, those are really some of the first applications of the blockchain technology we've seen. So they've gained the most interest. So looking at how those fit into the traditional financial regulation space and the risks that they pose now whether they be in terms of consumer protection or the need for investor education or simply working out how existing rules can fit on top of this new type of asset um, that's obviously a big focus for for many of our members and at the same time you have those who recognize that blockchain has a lot of potential mm -hmm. in terms of economic growth and are really looking to see well how can we support this industry but support an industry which is sustainable and that's something which is which is quite integral. So viable blockchain development is something that, that on the other hand, you have other members are also very interested. And I think you really see today in, in France, you know, the interest of this government, both in terms of protecting and providing regulatory certainty, but also seeing the potential that this could be something which really makes the, the future of France. But of course... Uh, open source and deregulation and decentralization really suggests that there isn't a need for a third party like central governments, mm -hmm. like institutions, like organizations. Is there a little bit of a disconnect? It's a, it's a really significant challenge. So part of my job is to uh, be the co-chair of the Financial Stability Board's work on decentralized fintech. And part of that work, obviously, a lot of focus on the economic implications, um, financial stability implications, but also part of that work looking at these issues around governance. And I think that's going to be a very interesting issue to explore going forward, particularly if we see a shift to greater and greater uh, permissionless blockchain systems, decentralized autonomous organizations, how do you regulate something like that? And how do you even begin to have a discussion with a community who might be quite resistant to the involvement of you know, traditional uh, forces like the government? Uh, you know, when you think about the genesis of this technology, it was almost sort of... Uh, well, you know, quite frankly, a reaction yeah. to the global financial crisis. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's almost sort of an, an anarchical aspect to to the culture and so think, seeing how that develops as the technology becomes more mainstream and thinking about how regulators can interact with that mm. community I think is a really big challenge we have ahead of us. Have we figured out on a regulatory level, have organizations, have nation states figured out how to define a token or a crypto asset? All right. Is it a security? Is it what is it? Is it a store <laughs> no, of look, value? And look, and what there, is it? There is a lot of, there's a lot of work going on in that space, whether it be through the International Standards Organization or work in particular bodies uh, or at the national government level. Um, and the reality is you, this is very still developing technology and there is a lot of fluidity between, you know, if we think about having those three categories of payment, asset or security token and the consumer token, um, there's a lot of fluidity between those. You often might see a product which doesn't neatly fall into one or the other. And um, you also see some 
hybrid aspects. So things which can both change over time, but also have elements of, of both in them. And I think that's a huge challenge for, for regulators in terms of thinking about uh, you know, what are the implications and at a very basic level, who has responsibility for regulating these things when you have a, a much more traditional setup of institutions and you might see that some of these things perhaps fall between the gaps and I think that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about with our membership to see. You see some countries making some efforts in that regard, so learning from those experiences, learning from the work of, of academics and, and the community in this space to identify rules which will work not just for today, but for the future development of the technology. And it's a little bit noisy in the space right now at Paris Blockchain Summit, but it is incredible to see the kind of um, interest in this space. A lot of the projects, in fact, themselves, are really trying to figure out how they can comply to the regulatory standards. The unfortunate part is those standards are still being determined as we speak. Yes. It is, though, almost a maturity or a step towards maturity of, of this space. As, as a lot of projects recognize, there needs to be a nod to, mm. to, to this space of regulation. Which country, in your view, mm. is going to set the precedent, is perhaps leading the way? Yeah. Or is it organizations such as OECD or yeah. IOSCO? Yeah. Look, I think you see really that the there are some efforts at the national level, but there is a massive recognition that just addressing these issues at the national level won't be enough. Talking about um, asset class, which is highly mobile, and as we know, decentralized, um, and that simply you know, uh, puts paid to a lot of traditional approaches, think, well, I'll take my approach and well, everyone else can do whatever they like. So whether it's a matter of uh, coherency, having making sure that national systems work well together, or even moving at a certain point, you might see harmonization, even if it's just within certain regions. Um, I think that is going to be something that national regulators are already aware of, that no matter what they do at their level, they need to be speaking to their counterparts. And it's places like the OECD, like IOSCO, yeah. that you mentioned, where those conversations need to be yeah. take place. Well, it's also a level of competition, right? In the same way that uh, if you are a developing or an emerging nation or economy, you kind of want to attract international business. Yes. What we've seen um, as tax havens have done this, you know, uh, little uh, nations uh, have have kind of created a really interesting uh, tax environment mm. that has attracted a lot of business that, you know, want to benefit off of that versus um, what's kind of happening in, in the blockchain space right now where uh, smaller nations have created a very uh, uh, regulation friendly to cryptocurrencies, to crypto assets, to blockchain projects, uh, to fundraising and such. Do you think this trend is going to continue? Mm. Or do you think we're kind of evolving to 
one international standard. What's your yeah. view? Look, I think that you get, the tax example is, is a very, very good one. And I think what we've seen with the, the internet is that um, the transparency of that the internet brings means that the ability to to hide or take short-term approaches by jurisdictions just isn't viable if we're if we're looking if they're looking to really establish an industry over the long term and really invest um, taking taking shortcuts or being so regulation light that you attract uh, bad actors in the in the industry um, I don't think that's you know from from our members' perspective where any of them are, are looking to go obviously there are differences between the regulatory environment between different countries um, and I think that's natural and it reflects differences in the systems and, and different policy objectives but I think there is an understanding that there needs to be you know a sort of minimum common approach in thinking about some of these uh, issues because just going for the lowest common denominator is going to be the benefit of, of nobody. Yeah, no, It's there's got to be some guidance. There's got to be a North Star. What is that North Star, you think? Well, look, it's certainly something that we're looking forward to having a discussion with our members about. We The OECD works across huge mm -hmm. policy spectrum, so we're talking a lot today about finance, but we um, are looking at the policy implications sort of right across the boards, all sorts of different uh, blockchain use cases, but also some of those common issues which no matter the the application of uh, your blockchain they're going to come up so I'm talking about issues like digital identity for example um, data privacy management of data on a blockchain monetization valuation of data which is held on a blockchain or referenced on a blockchain um, but also more technical issues like interoperability for example and data standards to make sure that those different blockchain protocols can actually talk to each other effectively and I think, look, I think the OECD is obviously very well placed to do that. We we do have 36 member countries. We work also very closely with um, five key partner countries as well. But beyond that, I mean, if I think of different areas of our work, we will have, you know, sometimes more than 100 jurisdictions around the table discussing these issues and I think having a global conversation and being able to convene that global conversation is something the OECD has shown it's very very good at and I think we're going to bring that strength into the blockchain space. Who are you talking to within the community within the blockchain community that is advising that you're consulting yeah. obviously this can't happen in a vacuum yeah. Um, between your member states. So yes. who, who are you talking with? Yeah, so stakeholder engagement is a big part of what we're making sure we do. Um, you know, whether that be uh, developer community, whether it be um, big business who are traditional businesses who are looking maybe to transform into the blockchain space or native blockchain companies, but also academics, civil society groups. Having a very well-rounded perspective is quite important for us. And I will say that one of the probably most challenging stakeholder groups for us to engage with is the startup community. They're busy building their products. Yes, they don't, we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't necessarily have, have the time or uh, capacity to engage with 
standard-setting bodies like the OECD to work through what are the policy challenges they're facing, whether that be policy changes because the, the regulatory framework is unclear or policy cha uh, challenges in that there's may not be support or there may be barriers to development of the ecosystem in their in their jurisdiction. And that's something, you know, I, I hope that uh, discussions like this with you can, I guess, really sensitise people in that community that we would very much like to, to hear with you, to, to speak with you um, and understand your perspectives on, on these things because, uh, you know, it, it, while it's important for us to talk to kind of the big end of town, we want to make sure that we have the full picture of what's going on in the space. You want to talk to the entire life cycle exactly. of this technology. That's right. Exactly it, Angie. That's right. Well, congratulations. It is no easy task, to be sure. Uh, this just really started January of this year, being mm. 2019. Where do you see this going? What is the stamp that you individually and personally want to put onto this policy sent standard um, a as a standard for the future? Yeah. Look, I think that clarity is extremely important if we want to see blockchain achieve its potential. And uh, sort of the regulatory space at the moment, whether it be at the national or international level, is tends towards fragmentation. Yeah. And trying to bring those pieces together, I think, is something that we will look towards achieving as, as quite an important way of um, uh, making sure that this is a viable industry going forward and we can really hit the potential and perhaps overcome some of the challenges of that we're now seeing you know from a rise in you know web 1.0 as it were um, and, and and I guess trying to sort of learn those lessons from the past and and do that through an international framework that brings together the different stakeholders um, and does something really I think uh, holistic, so not just focusing on the security token piece or the digital identity piece, but looks at these policy issues. I think of it as a, a tree where you have uh, all of these different uh, policy issues which spring up and making sure that sort of tree is, is well trimmed and where there's not sort of gaps in it. And I think that, that for us is, is a, a goal we'd like to achieve through the policy centre. One thing that you want to put a check mark next to that box by the end of this year, what is it? Okay, well I should probably uh, take an opportunity to mention our Blockchain Policy Forum. So that's taking place in September. It's, uh, we had the first edition last year, so this will be the second case. And what we'd really like to see out of this year's Policy Forum is to show policymakers the reality of blockchain. Not blockchain the theory, but concrete applications mm. of blockchain and their policy implications, but also exposing member countries to the opportunities that blockchain bring and not to see it as this uh, new technological development that brings a host of risks that they have to protect uh, the downside from, but as something which can be a very strong force for good, both in terms of opening up uh, new economic growth, but also in terms of helping perhaps solve some of those policy mm. uh, difficulties of the past. So that's going to be taking place on 12, 13 September and bringing together policymakers, but also the industry and academics. And that uh, having that discussion, um, yeah, that will be a very important part of what we do. I'll give you a promise right now. Forecast News, in service to that forum, we also believe in that transparency 
and the candidness of those conversations is being critical to understanding uh, blockchain in our world and the impact that it will have. So whatever you need, these thank are the you. stories that we are telling as well. Excellent. So thank absolutely. You, and thank you for spending the time that you have <laughs> with us. I, I'm, I'm telling you, people are lining <laughs> up right now to talk to Caroline, but I'm just holding them off at bay. Um, but thank you, Caroline. Caroline Malcolm here, head of OECD Blockchain Policy Center. Thanks to you all for listening. We're going to be launching our beta site soon. And many of you have been waiting patiently for our debut. Thank you very much. If you have not yet signed up, do it right now. www.forecast.news and be among the first. As they say, stay tuned. Until next time, I'm Angie Lau.